This is the Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Catch Stan every weekday at 2 on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. The Steelers offense is pretty good. As Larry David would say, on Curb Your Enthusiasm, Steelers offense is pretty, pretty good. But when you stop and consider that the Steelers defense hate to use this cliche, is what it is, even though it looks like it's getting somewhat better, it's not going to be a dominant unit. You have to hope they're just not a big liability to kind of get in the way of what the offense is capable of doing. That's largely the best you can hope for, being realistic about it. I mean, they're not going to morph into the best defense in the NFL or the division for that matter. So you're going to rely on your offense. We knew that in July. And the offense is, I won't say pretty good again. But it is. But that still doesn't mean that they can't be better. The running game is very solid. By the way, James Conner today was named the NFL Player of the Month for October. Pretty, pretty. <laughs> and it's a big day for Pitt because Aaron Donald, Penn Hills, Pitt man, was named the NFL's Defensive Player of the Month. So, pretty good day for Pitt or a pretty good month for Pitt. I, well, at least from their former players, not necessarily for them. But there's one thing where they could be a lot better. I mean, the running game's in great shape. Whether Le'Veon Bell's here or not, if Connor stays healthy, he's more than good enough, and that's an understatement. And the emergence of Vance McDonald is important. You know, that's why they brought him in here. We never quite saw that because he's never quite been healthy. And the only problem with Vance McDonald is the way he plays because that leaves him prone to injury. Uh, If you're looking to run people over, sooner or later, somebody's going to run over you. But right now, the tight end's pretty good shape. They've caught 45 balls. Juju and Antonio Brown each have 46 receptions. So that's some nice balance there. But where there's a tremendous drop-off, and I've felt this way, Not that I minded them trading Mark Davis Bryant, especially not for what they got for him, a third-round pick. But I still believe that they need to develop a third weapon in the passing game. I should say, as it relates to wide receivers, they've got a third weapon with McDonald and Jesse James, uh, Grimble less so, but still 45 catches at the tight end. That could be construed as the third weapon. But I'm talking about a wide receiver. And that's where James Washington was supposed to come in. I don't know if the Steelers expected Washington, a second-round pick, to be able to come in and help right away. Not as a starter, but as a viable third option in the pass game. That has not happened. He didn't play. He He didn't get a uniform last week. And they dressed 
Darius Hayward Bay, that's more of a special teams thing because Washington doesn't do much for you. So, I mean, he plays them, but he's, you know, that's, a, that's frankly the only thing that Darius Hayward Bay can do. He's of no help whatsoever on the offense. What you've got is <clears throat> you've got a wide receiver, James Washington, who doesn't give you much on special teams, and you got Darius Hayward Bay who doesn't give you much on offense. The problem is Washington's not giving you much on offense either. So he's played in six games or been dressed for six games. 14 targets, five catches or 49 yards, the one touchdown we played for you. That's not what you're anticipating. Ryan Switzer has nearly three times as many catches with 13, but he only averages 5.2 yards per reception and because he's an inside guy, you know, slot guy. You know the kind of patterns that he runs generally. He's not going to get a lot of yardage. But more was expected out of James Washington even to just stretch the defense. Now, there have been some occasions where they've thrown the ball deep to Washington, and even though they haven't connected, it serves a purpose. It makes the defense aware. It stretches a defense. But it doesn't injure a defense nearly as much as a deep reception will, or at least drawing a pass interference call. And if you're a defensive coordinator and you are game planning for the Steelers, you're well aware of Antonio Brown, you're well aware of Juju, but if James Washington lines up, if he's even in uniform, what kind of threat does that pose? You have to cover every receiver, but more of an afterthought. I think a third receiver, whoever that happens to be, should strike some fear into your heart, at least convince you maybe to take double coverage off Antonio Brown from time to time. That's not the case. We had a long conversation yesterday about criticizing the Steelers for not getting a cornerback. I mean, it would have been a nice addition, but if there was nothing out there, you don't want to make a trade just for trade's sake to get a guy equal to or lesser than what you already have, and then you have to pay a price. And cornerbacks, to use an old cliche, they're like hen's teeth. I mean, you've got a good one. How many good corners are out there available? As I mentioned yesterday to Jerry Dulac, Eli Apple was the only corner that moved. He's a former number one draft pick. Tenth overall by the Giants, he's also been terrible. And... He's a pain in the rear end on top of it. Who needs him? Sometimes you hear a gamble. Remember the Steelers brought in Justin Gilbert? Justin Gilbert was the eighth overall pick in the NFL draft by Cleveland, and the truth is the Steelers liked him a lot and would have taken him had he been available when it was their turn to draft a number of picks later. Well, the Browns took him. Total bust out. Remember the Steelers then acquired him. Total bust out. But generally, those guys aren't available. However, there were wide receivers available. And if I were to criticize the Steelers for anything, if at all, I think a guy like Golden Tate would have been great here. Now, I realize he's more of a rental guy, but let's also remember something else, too. 
They're in it to win a Super Bowl here. They're not in this for a participation trophy this year. And if you bring in a guy like, let's say, Golden Tate, I'm not talking about Amari Cooper. I'm not willing to give up a number one for him. It's too much to bring in for a third receiver. But a guy like Golden Tate, even if he is a rental, it makes you better right now, and it doesn't mean you're giving up on James Washington, but maybe it's going to take him a year. Just because he's not doing very well now doesn't mean that he won't eventually. And as somebody pointed out, it took Juju Smith-Schuster half a year to really become productive. Maybe that's a matter of opportunity. But the one thing that we don't see is what goes on at practice. And I'm sure that if James Washington were performing at a high level in practice, he wouldn't have been in street clothes this past Sunday. Right now, I think they need the third weapon in the pass game, third wide receiver weapon. They already have a third weapon with the tight end, particularly Vance McDonald. Justin Hunter... Is willing, but is he able? He's a coach killer. You look at him in 6'4", runs like the wind. He can jump. But I haven't seen him wherever, wherever he's been before. He's the former number two draft pick, you know, second round. I, I've never seen him do anything anywhere that would suggest that, oh, he's just waiting to break out. He's had plenty of opportunity to do that, and he's playing in a prolific pass offense. I think the one thing about him, he's not very good when it comes, I mean, he looks like a greyhound, right? But sometimes a receiver can't be just a greyhound. you got to be a bulldog. you got to go in there and fight for the ball, the combat catch. That's what James Washington is supposed to be good at. I've never seen that from Justin Hunter. I don't expect much from him. Whatever you get is a bonus. So it's going to be James Washington or not at all for the most part. And as good as the offense is, it can be better and would be better if on occasion James Washington would have an impact. This is the Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Catch Stan every weekday at 2 on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Joined now by Rob King of AT&T Sportsnet. One of the things that I've been mentioning, people were all over them because they didn't make a trade for a cornerback. My thought was uh, those guys usually aren't available for trade. I don't care how bad your team is. You're not offering those guys up. And it's obviously that they didn't see anybody out there that interested them, or at least at the price they would have to pay. Um, So they're going to have to hope that their defense, which appears to be showing some signs of improvement, that it continues to get, you know, somewhat better, uh, understanding it's not going to be the steel curtain. Um, That would seem to me to be incumbent upon the offense to maintain its level, but even get better. And to me, the one thing that they're still missing is that third wide receiver. They've got nothing out of James Washington. I think they expected more. He's got five catches um, for less than 10 yards a catch. 
Um, you know, I, I don't know where that guy's going to come from if it's not James Washington. Well, I, first of all, I agree with you. I, I think, you know, um, you know, when you hear a name like Janoris Jenkins and nothing against him, but that doesn't really get me excited. You know, um, I, it doesn't make me think, wow, he's, he's just a huge upgrade over what he's a guy. Let's bring him in. Um, and I do think that the defense has definitely shown signs of life. They've become much better against the run. And if that can continue, Stan, remember they led the league in sacks a year ago. If that can continue, you can stop the run. You can get teams into those long yardage situations. Are you going to give up some pass plays? Sure. That's the way the NFL works these days. But, you know, if you can start creating some turnovers, making teams dimensional, I think they can overcome that, especially if they, as you're alluding to, I think, um, get into a, a situation where they need to win in a shootout. I think the offense is very capable. I would say this about the third wide receiver. I thought it was going to be James Washington. I thought maybe he would be um, at least a deep threat, um, much like they had with Martavis Bryant. You know, by the end of last year, Juju was really their number two, and Martavis was really their number three, um, regardless of who started and how many reps they got. That, that was really kind of the pecking order. Um, obviously, it's Juju and, and A.B. or A.B. and Juju now. But I think the tight end position has sort of um, unexpectedly become a much bigger part of their passing attack. But between the two of them, um, they are catching a lot of footballs. And, uh, and McDonald is a guy who's a weapon. I mean, to me, when McDonald gets the, the, the ball in his hands, I mean, I'm thinking like Mark Bavaro. You know, he's just rumbling over people, and he's hard to bring down. Um, I think that's a weapon. So, yeah, you'd like to see a, a third receiver evolve, um, but with the way they use the running back, um, whether that is James Conner or Le'Veon Bell, with the way they're beginning to use the tight end, um, I, I would like to see the emergence of that third wide receiver to become something of a threat, but I think that the need for that is mitigated a little bit by the fact that the tight end position has come a long way. I, I agree with that. Uh, and I, I, mean, I love what Vance McDonald is, is doing. Um, and, and, you know, they you know, thought they were getting that kind of, uh, you know, even, even Heath, um, you know, was an excellent tight end, obviously. Uh, but even he didn't stretch the seam like they thought that Ladarius Green could. Um, and, and maybe Vance McDonald's more Heath-like in that regard. And he's, he's incredibly valuable. And it's interesting to me, Rob, looking it up, that the tight ends combined with James and even Grimble have 45 catches, while A.B. and Juju each have 46. That's some great balance there. But the one thing that McDonald doesn't do, as well as you alluded to, is stretch the field. I mean, I want someone, and I think that's what they wanted from James Washington, given what he did at Oklahoma State. Um, They want someone to at least draw a pass interference penalty, at least have a defensive coordinator say, beware of this guy going deep, mm-hmm. at least maybe on occasion taking double coverage away from Antonio Brown. Yep, I think that that's – I think we're on the same wavelength, Stan. I think they need that – or well, let me say this. They could use that. I don't know if they need it, but I, it would definitely be something uh, that Randy Feekner could use, you know, uh, a guy that can stretch the field, and he doesn't even have to make – a whole ton of catches. If he catches a, a long one every second or third week, um, that might be enough to put that thought into somebody's mind. Oh, here he comes. Let's make sure we got a safety deep over there because we don't want to get burned deep by this guy. He doesn't have to be a guy to me that catches five or six passes a week. 
but it would be nice if somebody emerged as that, at least as that threat to, to balance out the rest of what you have offensively. You know, what's, what's sort of discouraging about this, and again, it's, certainly I, we talk about the trade deadline, and they got criticized for not going after a cornerback, but again, they're not available. Uh, but I look at some of the wide receivers who were moved, and I didn't expect them to be in the market for an Amari Cooper. You've already got your top two receivers, and you're not going to give up a one and two. I think that's what Dallas gave up to get him. But I saw a guy like Golden Tate, and I realize this is crying over spilt milk, but allow me to whine just a little bit. A guy like that, even if he's a rental, um, if you figure that the Steelers are in it to win it now, it doesn't mean you're giving up on James Washington. But, boy, a, a, a Golden Tate-like receiver who did get moved from the Lions, that's the kind of guy I think who'd, you know, would be of great benefit to the Steelers. Well, but then again, you know, you're going, you're going counter to what you were talking about before with the need to have a guy that stretches the D because Golden Tate's not that kind of guy. Golden Tate is a solid, steady, work the middle of the field kind of guy, um, which are attributes that both Juju Smith-Schuster and Antonio Brown have. I think Golden Tate's a, a really, really good player, just a solid guy, a chain mover, you know, a guy at third and four, he's going to get six yards for you and move the chains. And that's what I think of when I think of Golden Tate. I don't think of a guy who stretches the field. So whereas I agree he would be an asset to any team, I also don't think that he fills the talking about here with that stretch the field kind of uh, talent. Uh, I mean, I think that's true. But I, uh, my thought is, is that if I'm an opposing defensive coordinator, I better know where Golden Tate is and what he's doing. And I, I, oh, I agree. Yeah, that, oh, that, agree. that's what I, it, whether it's deep or over the middle. Look, uh, you know, you could, you know, uh, you know, you can have Juju run deep and have, you know, Tate work where he normally works. I mean, Juju caught some deep balls last year, even when Martavis Bryant was here. So, yeah, and, yeah, and Brown can catch deep balls, as we know. Sure, it would be another option. It would be another really good, um, you know, option for you to have offensively. And, you know, are you willing to pay a third round pick? He's going to walk at the end of this year. Uh, or at least he's going to be a free agent at the end of this year. You know, that's another issue. And, again, you know, the one thing we don't know for sure, Stan, is where the where the Steelers think James Washington is going to be by the end of the year because that's when they need him. They need him come playoff time and down the stretch when you begin talking about home field advantage and that kind of thing. You know, if, if he develops into the kind of guy, look, when the Steelers, uh, you know, invest a second-round pick in a guy, they expect him to be something. Uh, Especially wide receiver. One. I mean, wide receiver sure. is the one place where, you know, guys are so naturally gifted. They usually, and again, I'm not talking about James Washington to be starting, but you would, but again, Juju didn't really come of age until the middle of last season either. I'm not giving up on the right. kid, but usually wide receiver is a place where if you're that gifted, you can come in and play now and contribute now. Yes, it is. Um, but I'd like to go back and look. Uh, and, I, and this is just off the top of my head, Stan, so I don't know. You know, like you mentioned, Juju coming on as the season wore on last year, although I think he had a bigger impact by this time. I would have to go back and look at what Plexico Burris and um, Antonio Holmes are doing at this point of their rookie season. That, that's probably something that it would be worthwhile for me to investigate. Um, and, again, it's just another potential factor. And, and I just throw that out there because, you know, we don't always – we you know we try to we try uh, hard. Um, I know you and I do certainly, and and the rest of the media to make sure that we know things that 
that fans may not be privy to. Um, so what does the team think about a particular player? Do they think he's eventually going to be a factor at some point this year? I don't know this in this instance, so I just brought it up as a, as a possibility. All right, Rob, as always, the conversation terrific. I will see you tonight uh, for some, uh, some hockey talk in that. Looking forward to it, Stan. Thank you. All right, Rob King, brought to us by 84 Lumber, helping you build the way, right way since 1956. Thank you very much, Rob. Coming up next, we'll get a scouting report on the Baltimore Ravens for the last number of years whenever the Steelers play Baltimore. Stan White, former NFL linebacker and radio analyst on the Ravens Radio Network, joins us. He'll do that momentarily on Saverin on Sports. The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Flacco under center. Collins is the running back. He gets a fake. Flacco wants to throw it, has time, throws it long down the middle of the field. There's a man open, and he catches it on the dead run. And that is John Brown. And the Steelers can't get him to the ground, and he's all the way to the 10-yard line. Baltimore Ravens completely dominated the Steelers when they met a few weeks back. Uh, game, uh, the score wasn't close, but it was wider than even the score indicated. Now the return match, this time, of course, in Baltimore Sunday afternoon. We're joined now by former NFL linebacker and longtime Baltimore Ravens color commentator on the Ravens radio network, Stan White. Stan, thanks for joining us. Great to talk to you again. Yeah, it's always fun. Yeah, in fact, I just uh, walked out of a meeting where Jerry Sandusky, my uh, partner, was uh, delivering a keynote address. So uh, uh, it's, uh, we've been talking a lot about this game coming up and you know, what it's going to mean to both teams. Uh, for those who uh, wonder, that's not the Jerry Sandusky, uh, the infamous Jerry Sandusky, in fact. I think Jerry spells his name with a G, does he not? Yeah, he goes by Jerry with a G just because of that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah some, some guy in the, uh, uh, in the seminar was complaining he was getting confused with somebody else, and Jerry spoke up right away. You have no right to even say that when I'm here, you know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he, he's taking a lot of hits for that. That's for sure. Well, that the other Sandusky, of course, is, is a hot button issue in this part. Uh, sure. Of, well, everywhere for that matter. Um, Stan, you looking at the at the Ravens, and they look like the team to beat in the division after they beat the Steelers, uh, but they've lost their last two. The, the, the game against. New Orleans was incredible because of the way it ended with Justin Tucker. Uh, that's a good Carolina team that you have to play on the road. Um, but did did the victory over the Steelers cause all of us to overrate the Ravens, or is this just a bit of a lull, or are we about to find out Sunday? Yeah, I think you're going to find out Sunday. I think, you know, these two teams get up for each other so much that uh, uh, it's hard to recreate. The next week they laid an egg after the Pittsburgh victory. Uh, so... Uh, they came back and, and won on the road against the Titans, and then they really had the Saints. I mean, they had held them. To, they were 10-point lead going into the fourth quarter. They had held Drew Brees to seven points for three quarters, and it just fell apart. And for the last five quarters, it changed everybody's thought on the Ravens from maybe a top-five team, if they'd have beaten the Saints that day, uh, to a team that's middle of the road at best and, and struggling to stay they even in playoff contention at this point. Stan, I'm glad you brought the New Orleans game up because they televised that game in Pittsburgh. Um, you know, that was a Steeler bye week, as I remember. In any event, uh, people focus on the Justin Tucker miss, which was just astounding. Um, frankly, I left the room to go to the bathroom. Figure, well, you know, I'll just you know I'll be back, and then uh, you know they'll go to overtime. I couldn't <laughs> believe I missed it. 
Um, but the thing about it is they did have a lead, and if we consider that Baltimore's stock in trade is indeed their defense, not to discount the offense, but defense is the way they've been winning football games, um, was that particularly disturbing? And then to go out and give up the amount of points they gave up to Cam Newton and the Panthers. Well, what's disturbing about the, uh, the Raven defense for several years now has been they've been hot. I mean, last year they led the league in turnovers, uh, and interceptions, fumble covers, turnover differential, all those things. Uh, and this year they're the number one defensive team, but they've had problems at the end of the half, at the end of the game. And when, even when they get to overtime, they lost to the Browns on a drive. at The, the Browns scored three times at the end of the half, the end of the game, and the end of overtime. Those times, and you remember last year, uh, 39-38 game, uh, the Steelers came back from what a nine-point deficit late in that game Yeah, uh, with a late drive with a, a minute left that went right down the field, and Antonio Brown stretches out for a touchdown. They've had problems winning games with defense. So I don't care what your stats are. I don't care any of that stuff. Defenses are great defenses when they win games. They stop the other team when your team's ahead in the fourth quarter and put a, and put a W up in the win column. And this team has, had, has struggled to do that. They've done everything else right defensively, but they've had a hard time doing that. Stan White, former NFL linebacker, who is the longtime radio analyst on the Ravens Radio Network, is our guest here on Saverin on Sports on ESPN Pittsburgh. When the Steelers played Baltimore, not that it mattered, but the Ravens did not have Jimmy Smith. Um, how much of an impact, again, we're talking about how the defense has played here the last couple of games, how much, if at all, uh, has he had on the defense? Well, he's really struggled as he come back. Now, here's a, a guy who's you know been in the league eight years, and he's coming off an Achilles uh, uh, tear and, and repair. Uh, so I guess you can't expect him to come in and be what he was. Last year, he was an all-pro. He did a great job against Antonio Brown. He has in the past. But he's struggling right now to regain the form that he's had. You, you really never know at that point in your career, uh, you know, after an injury, if you can reco- recover, especially a defensive back who depends upon speed and, 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 and quickness and things like that, uh, if he can ever get back to where he was. And that's the question here. He struggled in the New Orleans game. Uh, he struggled last week against Carolina. Uh, but they need him especially with Marlon Humphrey having an uh, injury problem and hasn't played for a couple weeks. Uh, He's very intricate to to the Ravens possibly beating the Pittsburgh Steelers because we know Pittsburgh's a different team. I think they ran for like 10 yards against the the Ravens last time. We know that uh, uh, James Conner is running the ball very effectively now, and that's going to make him a lot tougher to beat. Yeah, James is really, he's had three 100-yard games with two touchdowns each, the first player in Steeler history uh, to ever do that. It's kind of remarkable mm. when you stop and think about it, given what they expected to have with Le'Veon Bell, who's still, you know, on the back of a milk carton somewhere. We have no idea where he's at. Um, one more thing about the defense. One thing that has been true is that the Ravens continue to uh, lead the NFL in sacks. Has that been a constant, even if the defense itself has been inconsistent? Well, it hasn't been. They've only, they had 11 sacks two weeks ago, and then one against Drew Brees and none against Cam Newton. Wow. So, you know, you lead the league in sacks, but you got almost half of them in one game. So that's, that's maybe an outlier stat at this point because of that. Uh, they've done, they've, you know, up until that point, they had been, doing well with the pressure. The last two weeks, 
They have not gotten any, and it's, it's become a major concern because, you know, if, uh, uh, if you can't get and pressure Ben Roethlisberger, uh, the more time you give him, the deeper the ball is going downfield and the more problems Brown and Smith-Schuster are going to give you. So uh, uh, that's going to be the key to the game. Number one, stop the run force him into passing situations, and then being able to get some type of pressure on uh, on Big Ben. You know, Ben has only been sacked once in the last three games, and that was uh, this past week. And Miles Garrett, uh, who's just a beast, uh, you've seen yeah. him. Uh, he's unbelievable. But they've done a great job protecting him. Uh, let me switch over to the offense. Um, I, you know, looking at the you know, the running game, um, this is not on the running back himself, Alex Collins, but only 3.7 yards per carry. Uh, the second leading rusher is Lamar Jackson. We understand his role. What, what, if anything, has been the issue with the running game? Well, uh, it starts with the uh, offensive line, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, you talk about being, with you guys protecting Ben and now being able to run the ball, your offensive line's in a lot better shape than it was when the Ravens played him a few weeks ago, and the Ravens' offensive line is in horrible shape right now. I mean, they got everybody hurt not practicing, James Hurst was out last week. Uh, Alex Lewis was out last week. Ronnie Stanley got hurt. He came back in, but he hasn't been practicing. Uh, you know, without an offensive line, I don't care how good the running back is. I don't care how good the wide receivers and quarterback is. If you don't have an offensive line to give you opportunities to make plays, you you have very little chance at all. You can just throw the ball up and hope, and that's uh, uh, that's what they've had to do at times. And the running game is, has really been a problem all year long. In conjunction with that, Baltimore quarterbacks, both Flacco and Jackson, have been sacked almost two times a game. Um, so obviously, not only the running game, but the pass protection apparently has been an issue as well. Well, when you can't run, it becomes even harder to pass protect. Yeah. Because, you know, in this league, when you talk about Miles Garrett and Almost everybody has. Yeah, you got T.J. Watt who's having a good year. Uh, you got a lot of guys that can rush the passer. Cam Hayward, the good Ohio State boy out there, he can rush them. That's for sure. Uh, so if, if you don't have to worry about the run, I mean, when you play defense and you know the plays either a pass or a run, boy, you've got an advantage. So that's what you. That's why you try to put yourself in situations either by finding some type of tip that'll tell you what it is, or putting them in down in distances where you know. And uh, they've had a, uh, you know, they've had a problem doing that. And uh, if they can't protect uh, Flacco and they can't run the ball and get him in a good situation, then that makes it even more problematic for that offensive line. You know, I want to ask you about Joe Flacco. His quarterback rating is 85. I'm going to guess, Stan, that's below, uh, perhaps substantially below his career average. I mean, he's, you know, been a much better quarterback than that. He's completing 61 percent. But it interests me that that his yards um, per attempt is only six and a half yards. That that seems incredibly low. Yeah, it was, except the fact that it was only five points something last year. Oh, okay. <laughs> when he didn't have any receivers at all. At least he's got some receivers this year. Uh, you know, they, they, John Brown, you remember what he did against the Steelers last time. Yep. Uh, you know, Will, uh, Willie Sneed and... And, uh, you know, he's got some guys he can throw the ball to, Michael Crabtree. He's got those guys. The guy that really needs to come on for them is their first-round draft choice, Hayden Hurst, who has been sitting out, only caught one or two balls so far. Uh, he had a really good preseason, then got, he broke a bone in his foot and is coming back. If they can get him involved, because Joe's always 
at Todd Heap and Dennis Pitta and those type of tight ends that he really liked to throw to in critical situations, and he hasn't had one for a couple of years. So uh, if he can come on, he'll really make those other guys better. But again, if you don't, if you can't block people, uh, you know everything we're talking about really is is null and void. You know, I'm I'm intrigued by Lamar Jackson. Everybody understands his specialty. Um, just drawing back on some experience, and I, I probably shouldn't compare the two, but it seems like it's an analogous situation. When the Steelers began employing Cordell Stewart more than 20 years ago uh, in the slash role, if you will, after a while, people, <laughs> defense has got the idea when he was in the game, here's what to look for. And I'm wondering if there has been a law of diminishing returns with Lamar Jackson once people understand when he comes in the game, what's likely to happen next. I don't think so. I think I actually think this is the way the NFL is going because of so many guys that are getting out of college. I mean, if Drew Brees, the all-time leading uh, yardage-wise passer in the history of the NFL, if they can put in Taysom Hill and uh, for six, seven, eight plays, nine plays a game, either with him or at quarterback, uh, to help their running game get going, I don't. I mean, it seems like a lot of teams are doing that now. They're bringing that guy in just to loosen up the defense and see if they can get their running game going, their play-action passing game going. And when you're, when those are the type of players that are coming out of college, you know, uh, you, you, you have them on your roster, you've got to find a way to use them and use their skill set. And I think that's the way they're doing with Lamar Jackson. I know Joe Flacco isn't thrilled about it, but if it helps your offense, with, especially with a, a banged-up offensive line, because having a quarterback like that essentially gives you one more blocker. Uh, because they always have to worry about him with one of their defenders. So uh, I think it's the way a lot of teams are going with the skill sets they're getting on their teams. Well, you won't have to worry about Ben doing that, so you can, you know, <laughs> you, you, you can, you can. Yeah, but the next quarterback, you may have to, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's uh, uh, well, if you see Josh Dobbs in the game, you know the Steelers are are in big trouble. Just a couple more things for you, Stan. We'll let you go. Since you mentioned so many injuries, what is the latest based on you know practice yesterday, practice today? Um, what what can we expect? Who to see and who we may not? We don't know. I mean, Alex Lewis and James Hurst, they keep saying it's day-to-day, but they keep end up not practicing. Uh, Ronnie Stanley, the same way. He, Like I said, he went back into the game after he hurt himself, but, you know, sometimes you can do that, and the next day all the swelling and everything flares up, and it becomes another week before you're ready. Uh, you know, the trainer and the doctors may be the most important people this week for the Raiders, getting these guys ready to play, because not only you have to play, you've got to be able to play effectively. You know, you can't go in there at 50% or 60% and, and play in the NFL. So uh, it's a real issue right now. They have, they have, I think, seven or eight guys who didn't even practice yesterday, and three or four of them were maybe maybe even more, maybe five of them were offensive linemen. So they're, they're really struggling. Uh, they've had really good uh, success so far with injuries, but it seems like they all hit. And they got a bye week next week. So if they can get through the Pittsburgh game, uh, it's a it's a perfect time to have that buy. All right, last thing for you, Stan. We were t- talking about this game coming up, and I don't care if the Ravens are one and eight or eight and one. Uh, they're always up for the Steelers. I can't say the same about the Steelers, uh, but the Ravens certainly will be. Uh, is the talk there that not only Pittsburgh makes it a big game, but the fact that the Ravens are four and four, they lose this one. And the Steelers jump to five, two, and one. Their chances of winning the division are severely limited if they don't win this game. 
Oh yeah, and the chance of making the playoffs at all are, are thrilled. They look at it as a a, a fork in the road type of game for them. Yeah, they're they're playing like they're looking at almost like it's a playoff game, but they have to win to stay in the race. And uh, uh, they do do a good job of getting up for Pittsburgh. Uh, I remember a couple of years ago, right after Joe Flacco got hurt, they brought in Ryan Mallett, and he had only been there like 10 days, but they got up enough to beat the Steelers in, in Baltimore that yep. year. So it's always a game. It's, I mean, I don't care what the records are. Uh, it's, I mean, I came from Ohio State, Michigan. It's always the same way. Uh, for, 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 the, for here in Baltimore, everybody wants to win Pittsburgh. And I remember that year when Ryan Mallett beat them. They didn't make the playoffs. They were under 500. But everybody in town said, well, at least we beat the Steelers. Yeah. You know? so that, that, that was the uh, consolation of the season. Yeah, it's Michigan, Ohio State, Auburn, Alabama, Pitt, Penn State. That's the same, same kind of same thing. Stan, I always appreciate the time. Really enjoy it. Thank you so much for spending uh, this amount of time with us. Okay, anytime, Stan. All right, take care. The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio.